0: This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book Two, The Winter Palace. Chapter Seven. G said nothing. She'd been saying it for a very long time now. As they approached the doors to the ballroom, she finally spoke up. Am I dead? It was halfway between a question and a statement. She was looking for a little help to nudge it one way or the other. Winterly knelt down and put her hand under the girl's chin. You are, she said, most certainly not. Believe me, I would know. G nodded unconvincingly and unconvinced. It's okay to believe me. I know what I'm talking about. Winterly squeezed the girl's chin playfully between her thumb and forefinger. Now, can we please go and look at this ballroom, finally? G. nodded. The queen stood up and threw open the doors, walking through and into the darkness beyond. The girl followed. Inside she could feel the vastness of the open room around her, but it was too dark inside to see how big it was. Faint flickers of light shone above like stars. In the dim light her reflection glided across the surface of the polished floor like the swans on the river. She followed Winterly, listening to their footsteps echo back and forth across the ballroom like a tennis match. When she caught up to the queen, She saw that Winterly was now wearing jeans so faded they were almost white. Her pink knees showed through ragged holes thick with strings like pale anemones. She wore a pale pink tank top with princess spelled out in magenta sequins. I have that exact same shirt at home, she told her. The queen looked around the massive chamber, peering into the darkness as though she were trying to spot someone in a crowd. She had one hand stuffed into the back pocket of her jeans, and the other picked at a lock of her hair, twisting it between her fingers. I always forget, she said quietly before trailing off. Forget what? Winterly shrugged. I always forget how big it is. G followed her gaze out into the darkness. She could see the oblong of light behind them shining through the doors where they had come in. It seemed very far off. She could not see the other side of the room. She looked back to Winterly. How big is it? As if in answer, the queen said something very softly under her breath. To G's ears it sounded like Luck's free yacht. Then the lights above blazed to life. G absolutely had to gasp. It was the only appropriate response. Above them, a score of chandeliers blazed with candles and crystal, filling every inch of the ballroom below with golden light, and there was quite a lot of ballroom to fill. The room G was standing in was bigger than her whole house. Ten times, at least. It stretched out in every direction, She felt like she was trespassing in all that splendor, with her snow pants and her clumpy boots. She wondered what it was like when it was filled with men in evening clothes and women with long gowns trailing after them. Suddenly, she longed to twirl and dance, washing away ten years of her carefully cultivated tomboy image down the drain. "'It must be very beautiful,' she said, hoping the hint was well disguised. At the parties, with everyone all dressed up and dancing? I guess it must be, Winterly admitted, but I wouldn't know. Why not? The queen shrugged. We've never had a party here. Really? Yeah. We've never even used this room. Winterly shook her head. Can you believe it? Why not? We've never needed to. Really? We've never had parties or dances or dinners. Never? Not once. Why not? Gee was shocked. If I lived here, she thought to herself, I'd throw a party every night. It's hard to explain. Winterly took a few steps, circling the center of the room. Let's just say that my husband, the king... Well, he's a little shy. He's shy? Winterly nodded. How shy? The queen took a deep breath, let it out slowly. You have no idea. She looked around the room, the paneled walls polished like dark mirrors, the gleaming floor, the riot of gold and light overhead. She looked back at Winterly. The queen nodded, agreeing with the unspoken thought in the girl's mind. "'You're right,' she said. "'It certainly is.' "'What?' "'It's a waste,' Winterly said bitterly, almost sulky. "'It's a damned waste.' Gee did her best to keep a straight face. She'd never heard a grown-up curse before outside of the movies, and it oppressed her immensely." Come on, the queen said after a long moment. Let's go and see if there's anything interesting going on somewhere else in this dump. Okay. She knew she ought to be worrying about her brother, trying to keep the search for their mother on track, but all she really wanted to do was walk around the palace with this sad and funny girl queen. They walked across the center of the ballroom towards another set of doors on the opposite side. "'Do you have any kids?' She asked suddenly. Winterly stopped dead in her tracks. Her clothes shifted uncertainly for a moment and then, inexplicably, became a tarnished suit of armor. "'Um...,' the queen lifted the visor of the helmet. "'No. Why do you ask?' Gee's heart sank. She'd gone too far. "'I'm sorry. I was just wondering... Ah, Winterly looked away. Um, well, no. No, we don't. Why not? The queen didn't answer immediately. She tapped a mail clad fingertip against her plaited thigh. As I said, she said at last, my husband is somewhat shy which makes having children problematic. Why? Winterly studied the girl's earnest face for a moment. I'd forgotten, she said quietly. Forgotten what? I had forgotten what it was like to be so young. The armor shifted and rattled away resolving back into the jeans and t-shirts she'd won before. Winterly laid the back of her fingers on the girl's cheek. You should do what you can to hold on to that. Okay. G had no idea what Winterly was talking about, but she didn't want to disappoint her. Good. Winterly opened the doors and they went out into the hall beyond, closing up the ballroom behind them. Outside the doors, the queen stopped and turned to a statue standing to one side. He was a pleasant-looking man, shortish, with a thick beard. I'm afraid I left the lights burning again, John. Would you put them out for me, please? The statue bowed low and went back into the ballroom. Thanks, Winterly called after him. Come on, she said to the girl. Are you hungry? "Mm, Sure, she shrugged. I guess. Gods, Winterly said. I'm always hungry. Eventually he's not even going to recognize me. Who? Ignore me, Winterly shook her head dismissively. I'm just talking. She didn't think it was possible to ignore this woman. Being with her was like holding a sparkler on the Fourth of July. They walked on through the palace, talking of this and that. G's family, her school, her friends, not many, really, and her likes and dislikes, Johnny Cash and Cheese, respectively. As they walked along, G noticed more and more of the statues frozen in place. Why don't they move? I'm sorry? Winterly raised her eyebrows. Why don't who move? She gestured to a pale form of a woman frozen in the act of dusting a small figurine on a side table. They're not really statues, right? I suppose not, no. So then why don't they move? Why are they pretending to be statues when we all know it isn't true? Why don't they just keep sweeping the floor? She turned back to the statue of the woman, addressing it directly. Why don't you just ignore us and keep doing your work? The statue didn't answer. G turned back to the queen. So that's what I'm wondering. It just doesn't make sense to have all of these people here and put them to work, but not let them. G trailed off, scrunching up her face as the penny dropped. He must be very shy, she said. The queen nodded. Yes, I suppose he must be. They walked on. But why statues, though? Winderley didn't have an answer for her. Are they being punished? The queen looked at her sharply. How do you mean punished? Well, if this is supposed to be the place where bad people go when they die, then who told you that? Winterly stopped walking and held up her hand, palm out. Gee swallowed. Told me what? Who told you... The queen put her hands on her hips. It was a warning sign that Gee immediately recognized. Who told you that bad people... No one told me, Gee said. I mean, I've seen movies and things. Winterly studied the girl's face for a long moment more thoughtful than angry. Do you think your mother is a bad person? Gee, you tried very hard not to cry. No, I don't. Winter knelt out down in front of her. Listen to me, sweetheart. This is not a place of judgment or punishment. Really? Really. Then what is it for? That's a very good question. Winterly sat back on her legs, thoughtful. I suppose the answer is that it's a place just like any other, because, well, people need to have somewhere to be, somewhere to go. She shrugged. For some, it's a destination. For others, a prison. For many, it's almost a paradise. Really? Winterly nodded. If it seems strange and scary and frightening, well, keep in mind that the world above is a pretty strange and frightening place sometimes. G saw her point. In fact, there are some who would say that your world is the real hell. The queen cocked her head to one side. Does that make any sense? G blinked, shook her head. Winterly reached out and brushed the hair off of the girl's forehead, smoothing out the worry lines with her fingertips. "'I won't lie to you. We have our share of demons here. You've met one of two of them already. But we have our angels, too.' "'Is that what you are?' Winterly laughed, then frowned, then laughed again. "'Hardly,' she said. I don't have the brains to be one, and I'm not patient enough to be the other. G looked at the statues. So, what are they? Winterly shrugged. Just people, really. Just people looking to make a living. G considered the statue closest to her. A young woman, not unattractive, with bobbed hair and a friendly twist to her mouth. It seems like a hard way to live, always starting and stopping. I guess, the queen said brightly, but it could be worse. How? Winterly pointed at the statue with her chin. Some statues never get to move at all. Once again... She had to admit that the queen had a point. Come on, said Winterley. I need a snack. You have been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by TM Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. To receive permission, handwrite your request on a single sheet of paper and fold it carefully into a clean white envelope addressed to the attention of the author. Place the envelope outside the back door of your home and wait for a response. Don't worry, the foxes know where to find him.